Welcome back to the TLC podcast with me, Natalie Byrne. And me, Venus Libido. First, before this episode of the TLC podcast, we'd like to promote our new event, which is on the 21st of this month, being January at 5.30. The TLC podcast will be doing a live podcast recording over Zoom with special guest Arielle Fox. We will be chatting about endometriosis, money, surgery and getting diagnosed. And also Arielle will be talking to us about her success on GoFundMe and how she raised 10k in over a month. All the links will be in our socials and in our Instagram bio if you'd like to buy a free ticket. There will also be a time for Q&A and lots of fun prizes to be won. Today on the podcast we have guest Ruby Rare. Ruby is a sex educator, artist, and body positive champion and jelly lover. She's on a mission to engage people of all ages in positive conversations about their pleasure. Her work is influenced by her experiences as a queer, non-monogamous, dual heritage woman. Until recently, Ruby worked at Brooke the UK's leading sexual health charity for young people, who she continues to talk to today, including adults on sex education. She managed a national period equality project. She facilitates events for adults about non-monogamy, porn, sex toys, pleasure, and is a very outspoken woman on the world. She's been in Summer House Festival, Women's Hour, and has been featured in Time Out, Huffington Post, MTV, and Pink News, and much, much more. And today we are joined by Ruby to talk about her book, Sex Ed, and lots of other juicy things. We welcome you, Ruby. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. We're so, I'm, well, we're both very excited to have you on because we're both huge fans. Oh, yay. Well, thanks for having <laughs> me. It's lovely to be on. Yeah. And I know the last time I spoke to you in real life, I was very, very drunk. And it was oh my, my God, birthday. it was your birthday. It was oh, that was like party. so long that ago. Ages ago. Yeah. And I that I, was a really long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're just gonna bury, bury that deep. Um, I feel like you get you're allowed on your birthday. Like if you <laughs> if you do something weird or you're like a hot mess. I think I feel like birthday and pride for me. And um, my birthday is in Pride Month, so it's all just kind of like the whole month. I'm like, I get a hall pass. I can just do whatever. <laughs> I feel like my friends will put up with me if I behave really badly. And the yeah. rest of the time, I'm like, okay, sort your shit out. But yeah. no, don't worry. You you were absolutely fine. Oh, thanks. You're in safe company. <laughs> so how are you doing right now? How How's lockdown been for you? How are you managing? I'm doing Okay. I'd, I'd probably give myself like a solid six out of ten you know yeah I I'm not terrible I have loved ones in my life who are really struggling right now and who are having a really tough time and I'm I feel very grateful that I'm kind of I'm doing okay but at the same time I don't know I just think it's really hard to be good right now mm. I'm finding it really funny how you like start emails because everyone normally yeah. at the start of a new year everyone's like happy new year how is your Christmas what's going on and literally all the emails that I've been sending this week and last have been like I guess happy new year but also everything is terrible and the world's on fire so anyway should we just keep doing some work <laughs> um, so that's kind of me right now I, I had a really nice I was very I was lucky I traveled down to South London way before 
the like tears and the lockdown stuff was announced before Christmas so I, I was really grateful to be with my family for a little bit and now I'm just back up here in North London uh making weird things talking about sex <laughs> just kind of doing, doing the same old stuff yeah in love, the stuff that we all love and appreciate from you Ruby that's for sure talking okay. about sex we'd love to know what brought you to what you do now Ooh, I kind of whenever people ask this I always I don't know if either of you have this with like your jobs I feel like I should have a really dramatic story like if you have a scar and you're like oh it was a shark fight or something like I feel like I want to have something wild to say and actually the reality is is that it kind of it kind of happened quite naturally I didn't expect myself to be doing this I didn't know that this was a job until probably six months before I started doing it as a job because even like five six years ago the conversations around sexual health and sex positivity were just not there in the same way that they are now and especially when I was at school like when we had careers advisors come in I can't remember I think one of the you know did either of you do like the test where you had to do this like really long weird test and it told you what job you should do I think so I remember that vaguely I feel like one of mine was like this, this kind of weird test told me that I should be a shoe designer. Oh, really? (laughs) Which maybe I will do one day, (laughs) but I don't have any current plans to do that. So I, yeah, like there was, there was nothing really. I was very discouraged from doing anything sciencey at school and Mm. kind of went with that because I liked doing the arty stuff and I liked English and I liked drama and so science and nasty stuff was just like not made available to me. And I guess when I was at school, sexual health was kind of tied up in the sciencey stuff rather than like the like sociology of it and like talking about communication and connectivity. And then went to uni, did lots of reading, had kind of a shit time at university, but it was sort of like another thing that you're meant to do. So I just did, did it. What did you study? I studied English. Oh, okay. I studied English and literally just because I like reading and I was like, well, okay, I feel like it's too, I, I sort of, I was toying with the idea of going to art school and maybe probably like, would have really liked it, I'm sure if I'd gone, but there was something in me that was just a bit too scared to and thought that it was a risk and kind of wasn't feeling comfortable enough taking myself seriously as an artist at the time. Mm. So I was like, oh, okay, well, I'll just do this and didn't literally did nothing to do with sex or queerness or sexuality at university, just read a lot of books and like wrote about uh, like post-colonial Sri Lankan literature and Victorian poetry a lot. Um, and then it was after I'd graduated when I had like no idea what I was doing. I was pissing around, working a lot of different jobs, um, mostly in like film and telly then doing some stuff in like art departments and then my friend kind of didn't even tell me about but like reminded me about the charity Brooke mm. who I then went on to work for for like five years and I'm now very grateful that I'm an ambassador for them but I'd known about Brooke because I grew up in Lewisham and in Brixton so like I grew up in southeast London in southwest London there was a big Brook clinic so I never went there as a teenager but loads of my friends did and I was like, oh, that's kind of nice. I really like talking to people. I really like working with young people. I'd started to do more of that. 
and it just clicked that I was like oh hang on a second all of the things that I love talking about in my personal life all the books that I read like everything that my t- I, I spend my time on is focused on this and it's focused on like how we talk about sex and relationships and I was really lucky to be able to start volunteering for Brooke and then work with them and that's where I earn my stripes like everything that I speak about now whether it's aimed at young people or at adults comes from delivering relationship and sex education in a professional setting and mm. and just you know like being around such amazing enthusiastic sexual health professionals has just been such a joy and has taught me so much and I think I feel really passionate about being able to put that into social media and into like adults lives who are really hungry for this information and kind of want to relearn after all the crap sex education that we've received yeah um and it's kind of just I don't know it's sort of just blossomed in that way it's I, I mean don't get me wrong me saying it's come naturally does not mean that I have not worked really fucking hard because yeah. <laughs> I have been quite overworked for a number of years but it's it was really like on reflection it's really nice how it kind of just it appeared and I was like oh this and really sunk my teeth into it mm. I think what's great about the work that you do is that one it is so inclusive and the way that you kind of talk about everything is although it's very um it's something that can be approached by children it, it is approachable and um something that adults can enjoy as well because we forget that sex education isn't just for children or young people it is for adults as well because we are we do forget we you know especially for us like sex education was crap at school and I don't remember it I don't even remember actually being taught it so I'm still learning and I learn a lot from you and I'm sure you're still learning and just having these conversations online is just so amazing and I think the way that you do it is fantastic because you do it in such a positive uplifting understandable easy approachable way um but one question that I would love to know, like personally about you, Ruby, is have you always been, because I haven't, especially as someone who is kind of in the sexual wellness kind of community now and um, trying to learn more about it, have you always been like sexually confident um, with, in yourself, like when you were younger and growing up in your body, because you're very body confident as well. Like, have you always been like that? Or is it kind of something you've learned since becoming into the, like the sexual wellness space? Yeah, um, I've absolutely grown into it. Like mm-hmm. teenage me would um, <laughs> probably be horrified and so like I would not believe, like yeah. teenage me would not believe that this is how I'm living my life like 10 years on. Um, I, as a teenager, like I was closeted. I was horribly conscious of my body and the impact that it could have uh, like I got boobs really young and feeling incredibly sexualized as a really young person like especially in my PE kit and we like (laughs) just before Christmas I had a lovely like catch up with two friends uh, from school and we would and it was this sounds like such a weird thing to say and I'm not trying to trivialize it but we were like laughing about all the times we were sexually harassed as teenagers in a way of being like we've got to laugh about this because otherwise we'll cry about it but like because it was just so it was so normal then mm. and it like it it was 
and we're kind of like just looking back and looking at ourselves with kindness but also looking at the wit like how we'd all just like mention that these things happened and be like oh, okay like should we go to maths now i'm 14 years old and that like there's there's a lot of sadness within that as well but i think it's also i i like when it when possible with my own experiences to be able to look at them with like mm. some some lightness like you know sharing about them being able to reflect in a humorous way can be useful but yeah so that was happening I had no positive sex education nothing that really applied to me um I spent the first like how like five years of my sex life not understanding that I was allowed to feel pleasure during sex with other people so it was my my teen years up until like 20 I think were so negatively impacted by social norms and by the pressure I was putting under my, on to myself as well as the pressure that other people were putting onto me and because of that I have a great deal of empathy when I work with young people and adults who were once teenagers who were insecure as well um, as a sex educator because I know how isolating these fears can be and I also know that like as isolating as they are the vast majority of people are affected by them <laughs> and it's really it's like we're all walking around feeling like our insecurities and our worries and anxieties are incredibly unique and and awful and like the worst thing that's happening in the world and like you know they can really hurt I'm not I'm not trying to discredit them but when you lift the veil from from all these problems you realize that like everyone around you is dealing with the same thing or something very similar and for me looking at that shame head on and being able to like doing my bit to help other people do that is incredibly important because I just want people to be happy in their bodies and in their sex lives but it also does something on like a personal level it does think something for me because I wish I could have had someone like me when I was a teenager and like mm. I wish that my sister when she was growing up and like loads of my friends could have had role models who were being transparent like just transparent and like really inclusive and just opening doors to different ideas like I didn't have any queer or bisexual role models when I was growing up like on telly and in media as well as in my personal life and that had a really big impact because it meant that it took so long for me to to recognize that within myself because I just hadn't had any prompts in my life um and similarly with non-monogamy like I wish that there had been less of a prescriptive image of what relationships should look like because it took me that bit longer to figure out a way to have relationships that actually works for me. Wow, that's so that's so lovely. And it just leads so seamlessly into our next question. Oh, really? Um, <laughs> yeah, because, you know, it's so important for, I mean, children, especially teens, their bodies are changing and they're having those experiences um, it's so nice now that there's resources and information and people like you doing what you're doing um, and unfortunately with Instagram changing some 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 stuff about what can people can talk about sex and and kind of sex related content we wanted to know how you're managing that and how that affects you and what you do yeah I mean yeah. even right to promoting your book like how has 
because obviously social media is such a huge platform for you in terms of talking about your work and that's where I listen to you it's where I found you how have you like managed to promote your book considering like the title has sex in it and just little things like that like because Facebook yeah. wouldn't let period go up we still haven't been able to put it up on Facebook <laughs> oh my gosh that's so oh yeah I'm so like I I don't know about both of you I have a real I have a really complicated relationship with Instagram and with mm-hmm. all social media platforms to be honest because you know all we we have all created a community on there that is so beautiful and like really inclusive and really um really like amplifying marginalized voices and bodies and giving education in a different way but we have to like we we can't forget ever that we've created these communities on a space that is inherently sex negative and like not interested in us being on there at all so I don't know it's it's I think doing the book was really important for me in terms of like having a space where I exist offline and the projects that I'm doing more and more are looking at like are doing that you know Mm. I I really like being on Instagram it's really fun I love connecting with people on there it's really nice that people like sort of the stuff that I put out but I I actually make a conscious effort to not put any more energy into social media than I do currently because yeah. it actually doesn't serve me like I love the people on there but the platform itself like all of us existing on there are helping these really horrible companies profit and that's fucking yeah. weird and a kind of strange it's always very funny to me when you see like anti-capitalist stuff on Instagram where it's like, okay, I totally agree with you, but we're all being massive hypocrites by saying that on this platform. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. And, and obviously like the new changes uh, that came about in December are just another wave of that. Like there will be more. This is not the first time that this has happened. It won't be the last. Mm-hmm. A really important thing to remember with this is that like, people like us who talk about sex in lots of different ways on social media are affected but are kind of caught in the crossfire because the people who are the most impacted are sex workers and it's our conversation about censorship has to center like sex workers because they're the people that social media platforms are like actively trying to silence whereas for us it's like this can be really fucking annoying it can affect my livelihoods and I know it affects lots of other people's um but it's a totally different story Mm. when you are a sex worker and it's actually limiting your safety and (laughs) and meaning that like there are potential real life dangers in terms of the choices that you make and the risks that you are having to take in order to work so long sprawly thing there I feel yeah. like all my answers right now are super rambly. I hope you don't mind. <laughs> no, no, no. Perfect. Or <laughs> long form content like this yeah. podcast. It's, it's that weird lockdown thing when you're like, oh, I've not had like a long conversation <gasps> with someone who I don't have a conversation with every day. Yeah. I, I don't know. I feel a bit starved of like good chats. Um, yeah. No, but yeah, I, I'm kind of definitely having to like be a bit more conscious. I don't, I don't really know. Like I'm, I'm, I've looked things up a little bit, but I, and I went through my Instagram and took down things from the past that I was like oh I don't think Instagram now would like it but Mm. I guess I'm being a bit more covered up and I'm kind of being a bit more careful about how I talk about things like talking about the book 
I'm continuing to do, but I tried sharing some of the illustrations from it last year and they got taken down because they're too sexy for Instagram. So, you know, all the good stuff exists offline now. That's just the way it is. Yeah. And it's, I mean, we could have, I could talk about this for hours. I could talk about, you know, <laughs> the way it's affecting, especially, especially sex workers. And it's just an awful, awful thing that's happening. And so many of my friends are being affected by this, as I'm sure yours are too. And it's, oh yeah, like I said, I could talk about it for hours. And I'm not going to go into it too much because I want to talk more about your book and everything. But um the thing that I what I love most about your your platform is the the topics that you talk about and your IGTVs and things like this but I know that you like you said that the best content now is going to be not on that platform and you do host your events and your live talks which I've been to one and I want to go to more when we can um I miss doing them it's going to be almost a year since I did one and they are, for anybody who is listening, the most amazing thing you can do for yourself is to go to Ruby's Talks because oh, they are so welcoming. They are so inspiring. Like everything you talk about is inclusive. And it. I honestly had the best evening. Like I left feeling so refreshed and just wanting to go and try all of the things you mentioned in the talk. So when those are able to rehappen, um, I highly recommend everyone goes to them thanks I'm gonna as soon as we can do it I'm gonna put like so much energy and effort into making <laughs> the best live shows ever yeah <laughs> like I've had so many ideas over the last year that just wouldn't work if I was doing them over zoom so mm. yeah as soon as we can you better watch out I'm gonna really <laughs> go for it well I mean I can't wait it's gonna be exciting but yes I would love to get on to talking about your book because we both have a copy <gasps> Yay. Um, for audio listeners we're both holding up we are both holding up the book. Book. um and <laughs> it is the sex ed a guide for adults and it is the best fucking book i've ever ever owned it's so beautiful it's so well written um we were talking about it a little bit before you came on but i literally look at it every day like every day it's by my bed I just Aww. think it's fantastic and I I wish I could give you a massive hug and say congratulations in real life thank but... you well consider yourself hugged back <laughs> <laughs> it is beautiful but yes tell us a little bit about how it came about well I mean it's so weird talking about it now because I wrote I wrote all the book in lockdown like yeah almost all of the book I wrote in lockdown and it kind of feels like a fever dream almost <laughs> like it happened at such an intense time in that first lockdown when everyone I mean everyone is feeling all sorts of like weirdness and anxieties right now but it was a very different flavor I think at the beginning when it was like so new and I feel really grateful that I was just able to like dive into a project and make something happen it was quite nice to like use the book as a distraction um, and also to to like I look at the book now and it is it is like my knowledge from the last five years of working in sexual health in my voice and in a way that is kind of like silly and fun and inclusive but it's all of this stuff that I have I've been able to kind of accumulate through learning my craft and to have a place to put it all was just really has has been a really beautiful thing and it's nice to for kind of me to return to and be like oh yeah I know all of that stuff that's great cool um but 
I I don't know it, it just I think for a long time I was wanting to write something that's specific for young people and it was really doing the live shows that changed that for me because I've, I've worked with young people for so long I love working with young people and I will continue to do that forever I hope but it was realizing that when I the questions that I get on Instagram and offline during live events are almost identical to the questions that I get asked by most young people I was like oh okay something weird is happening here where like adults are not being given this education when they were younger and then they're still not being given it and they're not being given access to it when they're older and I think when it's aimed at an adult audience you can be a little bit more transparent you can have a bit more fun I can use some of my own personal experiences that I wouldn't use if I was talking to young people um and that's why it just felt like the right fit and then you know I am really proud of the words that have gone into it and like the stories that other people have um submitted and and like allowed for me to include in the book and then Sophie Birkin who illustrated it just brought it to fucking life in the most Mm -hmm. beautiful way and it was really when we started to put the words and the images together and make sure that they really like lived on the page together they didn't feel like they were kind of separate um I think that was just like a new wave of excitement for me because if you can make education genuinely like appealing and look beautiful and look sexy and erotic we didn't want it to be like euphemistic we wanted it to be like here are people fucking like we're talking about sex let's just be real about that um that that just felt really important to me it was such a lovely team who worked on it and yeah I just I hope that it can be a really like comforting and fun place for lots of people to like learn and be reminded that like they're okay and their desires and their bodies and all the stuff that we feel a lot of shame around like it all of that is allowed and beautiful um yeah I hope I hope that's what people take away from the book oh that's so beautiful to hear and I can't believe you wrote it in lockdown that you know it's so I I know a lot of people that had a creative project to focus on and um it's just so cool to after reading the book to get those little insights and um I'd love to know what were your biggest challenges when writing the book? I mean, practically time was pretty intense because I I left my job in March last year um, to finally go into freelance mode. There'd been like two years before then when I was kind of doing freelance stuff and working a really intense job at Brooke and feeling very, very burnt out and literally like I left my job my job ended on a Friday at the end of March and then like on the Saturday I started writing this book (laughs) so that was that was quite intense um but in a way was really nice because I just I don't know what either of you are like but I just I think I can work really well under pressure and if I'd had like a long like year to work on something I worry that it could have started to feel a bit stale whereas I was just like boom cool let's go let's do this um and then what else did I find challenging content wise I think the whole the whole thing I was very wary of making sure that anyone who picked up the book would feel included Mm. um regardless of where they were coming from and if it was someone who you know follows 
me and lots of other sex positive people and knows lots of stuff that they would come to the book and actually learn things and take things away from it but also that people who are brand new to this wouldn't feel like they were kind of catching up and weren't in the club because they didn't know certain things um I was really mindful of that I wanted to make sure weirdly I really know that like they're not a marginalized group but I wanted to make sure that men felt included to come to the book because sex education isn't going to change anything uh unless everyone uh is involved and sex positivity is very dominated by uh like women and queer people which obviously I am a part of both those two categories I love it I want more of it but I am also really keen for like boys and men to be involved in these conversations and to kind of have access to sex education um and then like the I guess the most obvious thing that was difficult like that was genuinely challenging for me to write and I had to be very boundaries and careful about how I approached it was the section on sexual assault which I didn't want I I needed to include because I as soon as you put positive next to something you're in danger of sugarcoating something like sugarcoating the topic and I didn't want this to be like just a really happy book that didn't look <laughs> at any of the really hard stuff that many of us have to face mm. in our sex lives and just lives in general and as a survivor of sexual assault that section of the book was really important for me to write within the perspective of me as a survivor as well as me as a professional and that was quite hard I had to give myself like quite a lot of time around it um and had to sort of tread very softly when I was looking at it again and to make sure that I kind of hit the right marks throughout it but I'm also very proud and that's like one of the sections that lots of people have messaged me about so to know that I've created something that's actually benefiting lots of people who are survivors as well it it was very challenging to make but it's like one of the most rewarding sections of the book so it's kind of paid off in a nice way oh that's so I feel like I could just listen to you talk for a forever <laughs> I just love how how you talk about what you do and and the consideration in, into it as well and oh, you know right you. in the first page the um I remember there's a bit that's like, if you're a man reading this, hi. <laughs> Which is just, Come in, um, please read this. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I, I completely agree. I, I think that it's so important to include and have these conversations with men. And I've noticed even with my own work that like my male friends will like ask me questions and, you know, we'll have the, it kind of allows this, the vulnerability allows people in I guess yeah um, which uh, and it's so important to have spaces for particular groups and particular identities like I really I really enjoy that me and one of my best friends Rosie run a life drawing class and we do a queer class every pride month and um, we kind of want to do some more of them because they're so much fun but like I love that it makes me really happy I really like being in a space where it's like hey it's only queer people here but I also don't want to exist, like we can't exist in a world where we're only with a certain type of people. Like we have to be able, I believe we have to be able to learn to communicate with a really broad range of people. So I've got to kind of do that through my work as well as through my personal life. Yeah, I think there's, 
there's so many amazing things to the book like I, again this is something we could talk about for hours and hours and hours <laughs> um and I just hope that anyone who's listened to this who hasn't bought Ruby's book yet to just go and buy it buy it for yourself buy it for a friend buy it for your just buy it for everybody like it's an amazing buy book it for your nan I've had some great buy it for your nan you've read yeah. it <laughs> yeah um it's great but we couldn't have you on the podcast without asking some sexy questions of course Go uh, for it. we've got some of our own and then we've got some from our audience so the questions from us that we would like to know are what are the most common questions you get asked about sex is there one in particular that you always get asked oh that's such a good question I mean it's funny because I this is one of the things I speak about least on social media and I should probably talk about more but one of the questions I get asked the most about is about Mm non-monogamy and people who are new to the idea of different forms of non-monogamy and are kind of just like help I don't understand that's something that happens a lot and then aside from that lots of women and people with vulvas getting in touch about kind of specific pleasure focused questions so people who find it difficult to have orgasms or kind of switch off during sex um and are kind of wanting to understand (laughs) wanting kind of comfort as well as a bit of guidance around that yeah one of the beautiful things like emily nagoski says this in her book come as you are that like basically at the bottom of every question that is about relationships and sex is like am I normal and it's Mm -hmm. people just wanting to be like is this okay am I normal (laughs) yeah I've read that book and she literally says it the whole way through you are normal it's fine Um, I promise you're normal it's okay (laughs) there's actually a bit in your book that I really liked and it was um and I love the illustration with it where it's two people having sex and this woman's mind's just wandering off thinking about other things and it's just like what you're thinking like people's mind wandering off while they're being intimate with their partner and it's absolutely fine and it's okay to do that and I love that bit in the book as well um thanks uh yeah so the next question that we have I was just thinking about nominating in my head then I have so many questions about that as well well Um, yeah maybe we should go into that then if that is the most commonly thing that you get asked do you have any like I don't know quick tips or or anything that you tend to re- repeat when people ask about I know it's a real tongue twister isn't it um it's there there are no real quick answers with it like a lot of the time people are wanting guidance when it's and it's like specific questions about the relationship that they're currently in and opening up a, an existing monogamous relationship and the advice I generally kind of have to give is like whoa okay slow down like it's really great that you have identified this want to explore something take time like this is not we're not in a race when it comes to like our own personal development we don't need to like hit certain goals at different times like I think the more pressure that you put on yourself in relationships and in terms of pleasure if you're on your own if you're with other people um the less the less enjoyable it's gonna be so it's like around really trying to slow people down and then get people to communicate with the other people in their lives because it's one thing you having these kind of 
like wants and desires, but you need to be able to effectively communicate them to other people. Non-monogamy, as with all relationships, just requires like a lot of really transparent and honest communication. So mm. it all kind of boils down to that. I should probably mm. talk about non-monogamy more online, actually. Yeah, it's I weird think you, you don't. I've not been ex- been able to exercise it that much in lockdown. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> one I have I have like a partner who lives in London, and then a partner who's like basically a sexy pen pal in Glasgow, and that's. It, oh, that's me. Oh, I'm not dating anything, so. Love that. Yeah, cute. <laughs> oh, that's so cute. Um, oh, we have some questions from our audience as well that we're going to get into. So, okay. um, I got Sophie Bell Bell on Instagram ask me, do you have any tips on being sexual in a pandemic? How with who? Question mark. I mean, the best advice is like you are the most exciting sexual partner for yourself right now if you are not locked down with someone else let's not fuck around literally or (laughs) metaphorically um I think everyone's having to make really uh everyone's having to communicate a lot more and be a lot more thoughtful about the people that they spend time with and you know I know some people last year who kind of like made new connections with people, but it was like a lot more considered and there was kind of more at stake and, and to kind of at different times when things were a bit more open, like to have someone like in their bubble, it it, it kind of changed the idea of casual sex because it could still be casual, but it also had to be quite well thought through, if that makes sense. Um, so if you are dating and if you are hoping when lockdown ends to be like having sex with other people I guess it's about like being confident asking really clear direct questions and getting clear direct answers and kind of uh incorporating that kind of communication style just in like your everyday conversations with potential dates and lovers um and then when it comes to yourself um like I think a lot of people now are almost feeling like they're in a bit of a rut when it comes to their solo sex because they're like okay I've been doing this for so long I've just been my own company what's going on and it's really about trying to inject some like newness and enthusiasm and joy and curiosity into that in the same way that I think a lot of the time we're encouraged to like spice things up with a partner if you've not had sex for a while or things are getting like a bit familiar I actually I talk about it in the book I don't like the phrase spice things up I think it's bullshit (laughs) but um thinking about like different ways that you just like before you start masturbating like in the day brainstorm like different things that you would like to do and like to try they're going to be different for everyone but actually having some different ideas before you start like really properly connecting with your pleasure I think can just like open open things up a little bit more get you thinking about things in different ways yeah that's a good answer I was I had like my first wank the other night and I hadn't like masturbated for about a month and I was like I just I'm just not enjoying like my own body at the moment so I literally sat down like a couple of hours before and was like okay what can I do tonight to like make myself more interested in having sex with myself again because I've got really bored um and yeah so I just like put on a show with a guy in it that I really want to have sex with and just like masturbated over him and it was beautiful and I did it for like four hours and I just woke up the next day like thinking to myself oh yeah I really needed to just re I needed to reboot I needed to just rethink the whole situation um so that is a really good answer 
Thank um, you. My question is from at my pelvic pain, and they want to know what's the best sex toy recommendation for someone who finds orgasms painful. Oh, this is a really interesting one. Pain during orgasms isn't something that I know loads about. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I guess consistent pain during orgasms because I. I know I've spoken to lots of people in the past where like that happens every once in a while. Um, And so if this is something that is more regular, I would recommend like talking to a medical professional about Mm -hmm. it because, you know, all three of us can give lots of advice. I do have like a professional background, but it's not a medical one. So questions like this are really important to like aim towards medical people when and if possible. Um, I guess if orgasm itself is painful have a think about if it's something that you want to try and aim for or not because sex is really wonderful and valid and pleasure is valid when it doesn't include an orgasm and what might be useful then is thinking about um like toys or different sensations or different acts if you are on your own or with a partner that stimulate you and kind of bring pleasure without it being really intense so there are some lovely toys that are like really gentle and soft um what's the brand called Eroha, i think make these like lovely toys that are made with silicone but it's like really really spongy i oh, can't describe it but it's such a sweet like it's it like fills my heart with joy because it's such <laughs> a lovely texture um but toys like that they're actually very gentle we there's often a lot of emphasis on like getting like the biggest most powerful toy that you can and really scaling that back can actually mean that you're engaging with your pleasure in a very different kind of way um and I know that for some people like pain associated with sex can be for so many different reasons but I think stress and the pressure that you put on yourself can have an impact on that not the sole thing but it can be something so one thing that I talk about in my book is the importance of breath and focusing on breathing and I know that that is like really simple and really obvious but I find myself not doing that a lot of the time when I'm having sex and I have to remind myself um so really like almost focusing more on taking really like slow and deep breaths more than the like genital sensations that you're having or like the touch that you are giving to yourself or receiving kind of that being the focal point and then having lots of lovely things happen around it and just seeing what happens remember like sex is not prescriptive there is no like set way to have it there's no way that it needs to end or start um and kind of very much listening to your body and what feels right and obviously stopping or pausing whenever you would like to yeah that's that's a great great answer again <laughs> yeah I love it I don't know what I'm going to use for the soundbite I just feel like everything you say is so good <laughs> um Thanks. so coming towards the end of um I don't know why I wanted to be like lol coming because we're talking about sex um coming to the end of this my, the conclusion episode. of my book is called the conclusion so like don't worry I'm not above those jokes <laughs> love a good pun um coming to the end of the episode we are a podcast that always likes to talk about loneliness and we want to ask you what's your relationship like with loneliness oh I love this question I'm um I am quite an introverted person 
and I really enjoy time on my own and I feel I need time on my own in order to function as a as like a human being so it can actually be quite hard it can take a while for me to spot when I'm feeling lonely because I enjoy being on my own um and it definitely like bleeds into feeling isolated and feeling alone and it can take a little bit longer for me to be like oh that's what's happening rather than just being like why am I unhappy what's going on um so and I've definitely some of the loneliest times of my life I've been surrounded by people and have been like in big social situations like long for long periods of time or short ones so it's very much an internal thing rather than like what's actually going on around me and it's something that I'd still like I don't know I I'm a real advocate for spending time on your own (laughs) I really like that um so loneliness for me like is most associated like for me with like mental health and with when I'm suddenly feeling out of control or numb and kind of like shut down a bit rather than like having most I'm lucky because my mental health like not too bad right now most of the time that I'm on my own I'm having a fucking great time I'm doing like loads of different things I'm kicking back and relaxing and watching telly and reading and painting and doing like paper mache and just having a ball um and it's kind of nice to focus on that and like normalizing that because so often I think the image we see of people being on their own is is like lonely and bleak and not something that's positive yeah I think it's been a common theme in our podcast is that we do seem to get people on probably because a majority of them are creatives um that we all do just enjoy being alone because we love just like you said being alone in our rooms making art being creative being with ourselves um so I think you know it's kind of the the normal answer we get is that their relationship with loneliness is actually kind of um a need a necessity in our lives to feel kind of comfort and to restore ourselves so Mm, I love that don't think you're alone with that one and it's definitely a reason why we started the podcast was because to us like loneliness isn't something that should be like you should be ashamed of doing it it's not something that's so should be a taboo um because our relationship with loneliness is can be quite a positive one especially for me I love being alone like I could go a whole year without talking to someone and be quite happy (laughs) Um, I do I've got I've got my core people who I really like who mean a huge amount to my life and I really like talking to but also I think about this quite a lot that like I'd always much rather be on my own than be with someone who's crap Mm -hmm. like (laughs) so (laughs) so actually me being on my own is kind of somewhere in the middle between like being with the people I love and who I think are amazing and being with people who like I really can't be asked to spend much time or energy on um like I'm I like spending time with myself I'm at the top of that list yeah yeah no totally agree with you well to end our episode we ask one last question and that is what has made you smile this week um so we'll go first and then we'll ask you the question Ruby so Natalie did you want to let us know what you've enjoyed or made you smile this week I'm going to choose your book, Ruby. <laughs> <laughs> it's so beautiful. And I only got my coffee last week. So I've been like fresh eyes to this. And it's just, oh, oh it's just wonderful. And I'm just, it's just so nice to have people that I like 
have met on my bookshelf and it's just such a, a joy to be there and it's so beautiful and to, your voice comes through just the way that it does on Instagram and oh I just love it so much and yeah yeah this, Thank like, you. That's so that's so nice. <laughs> I'm I'm not great at well I am. I'm not bad at it. I'm not bad at receiving compliments, but I am genuinely like it's so I cannot tell you how nice it is to hear nice things about something that you put loads of effort into. Yeah. So like it really means the world to hear. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna cry. <laughs> <laughs> we, we must, do. Have, I must have been... I need interaction with people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and it's you deserve it as well because yeah you do deserve it so yeah. much like so so much let like, it sink in <laughs> work so hard and you make so many people especially me feel so much better about themselves and their sexuality and their sex life so you deserve you deserve it all like it's incredible oh, thanks um okay so my thing that's made me smile in the last couple of weeks and someone who I've been looking at quite I, I don't really like going on Instagram that much and I only follow people who make me happy but I have found someone recently and I think I got this person from you your stories Ruby I think um but it's Chris Parker 11 on Instagram who is a comedian yeah look, I think I, I found his profile from you I'm not sure I'm not 100% sure on that let me see he's a comedian an actor and a felt artist and he's this gay man living in I think New Zealand or Australia I, I can never tell the difference but he just makes me laugh so much he's so funny I've just looked him up I couldn't remember his name but his face is like so it's sort of imprinted in my brain I love Wait, him is this the one yeah. that was like there was a, a video with like a phone call which was like yes, uh, about getting a present for <laughs> straight friend so oh, this, yes. is, yeah, this is where <laughs> this is the first video I saw of him and I was pissing myself because it's exactly how I feel with my family um trying to buy someone who is like pansexual and just loves everything sex and wants to buy everyone this sex toy for their birthday or Christmas trying to buy my two brothers who are straight a Christmas present and basically Chris Parker did this video where he calls a helpline for gay people and what to buy their siblings for Christmas and I was pissing myself it was (laughs) so on point (laughs) there's a really funny anecdote that I have to that specific video is I sent it to my boyfriend and because he likes all of the things listed like he likes to shop independent ceramics (laughs) and then I like go to the gym gym and drinking protein shakes so we were laughing about it (laughs) yeah so if you want something to make you smile today go look at chris parker 11 on instagram um, he is amazing oh thank you i'm so glad you reminded me of him again because now i'm gonna we're gonna end this and i'm just gonna like go and look at it <laughs> so ruby what has been one thing that smart made you smile this week i mean this is very it's very trivial but it's also high art at the same time um you, I, you might have seen it on my Instagram stories. I'm going to, uh, can I reach it? Just give me a second. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. get it so you can see it on the screen. This is what has made me smile. Polly Pocket. Polly Pocket. <laughs> oh my goodness. My so for listeners, can you describe what, what you just put in your hand? So this is like an original 90s Cinderella Castle Polly Pocket, which uh, is one of my most prized possessions. Me and my sister co-own this we found over Christmas 
we found a massive box that my mum had saved of all the Polly Pockets that we had in the 90s. And my mum also then, like, on eBay bought some earlier ones as well. And they're just the most beautiful things. And I had the most fun playing with my sister and looking at all of these again. Um, and we've kind of, we, like, sort of split them up. Um, so I've taken some with me and she's taken some with her. And I think in a couple of years, we'll like swap them around again. But I cannot wait. I'm just so happy to have this in like a place in my house where I can see it. I like wake up and it's on my bedside table. I've got some of my other Polly Pockets that I have downstairs. I don't know. It's I'm amazed that like a piece of plastic can make me as happy <laughs> as this makes me. But I think it's just one of the most beautiful things in the world. And they are worth so much money now. Mm -hmm. So it's actually art, yeah. like in a sort of uh, fancy schmancy art way, like these cost these are like go for four five hundred quid on ebay so yeah. it's all the little hidden so pockets and oh yeah <laughs> after i saw your stories i went because i got i've got a little poly pocket at the back of my wardrobe and i was looking around to see if it was in my eye line but yeah i went and opened it and it's like a little house and i pressed all the little buttons and yeah maybe They're i'll sell it now <laughs> oh so i i mean I think it's I just want to like sit on all of mine and just have a really nice time with them because I I'm, I'm genuinely looking forward to their not being locked down anymore and like other people who are like late 20s early 30s who I consider my adult friends coming over and playing Polly Pockets with me because that's what I want to do now. <laughs> That is just a wonderful, wonderful thing. And I hope I'm invited to play Polly Pockets with you in the future. Yeah, obviously. Both of, both of you are welcome anytime to come and play Polly Pockets with me. The Ruby oh. Rare Polly Pocket Party. There we go. We got it sorted. Oh, Thanks so much it. for coming on the podcast. Yeah. Thank you so much, Ruby. My pleasure. It's been an absolute joy and a dream. Um, where can people find you if they want to check out your work and where can they buy your book? So if you want to buy my book, which I would love, um, for international sales, you can get it on Waterstones. You can do Amazon if you would like to, but obviously there's a whole thing going on there. <laughs> um, but the best place to buy it in the UK is bookshop.org, which is a wonderful bookshop, which is like supporting independent bookshops and has raised like three quarters of a million pounds in five months since it's been open so it's doing like amazing work so go and get it there um and then for keeping up with stuff that I do um I'm on ruby rare I'm on instagram as ruby rare and I'm like underscore ruby rare on twitter and I have a newsletter which you can sign up to um there's like a link tree on my instagram so yeah just Come along, join the party, see my weird, colourful, sexy stuff and see my Polly Pockets. Amazing. <laughs> Thank you so much, Ruby. And we will see everybody next Tuesday. See you next Tuesday. Bye.